What you essentially have with cold store platelets is a short circulating, better acting product. The obvious question is why didn't we do that initially, right? Hi, I'm Helen Pitlick, and this is Bloodworks 101, the podcast that inspires you to give time, money, or blood. When I first moved into my house, I fell in love with the idea of a vintage-inspired kitchen. So when the power cord fell off of the refrigerator, I jumped at the chance to replace it with a sleek retro model in cherry red. Unfortunately, after a couple of months, my beloved new fridge broke too. It just stopped cooling one day. I spent days trying to reset it, unplugging it and plugging it back in, but nothing worked. As a platelet donor, this gave me a whole new appreciation for why there's always a need for platelets. Bacterial contamination. Without refrigeration, things go bad fast. Replacing spoiled milk and puffy packages and that nice piece of cheese you were really looking forward to eating is frustrating and gross, but transfusing a patient with contaminated platelets could be deadly. We talked about this in Bloodworks' move to 100% apheresis platelets in episode 23 of season 4. Dr. Moritz Stola at Bloodworks Research Institute is examining the effectiveness of refrigerated platelets, which could potentially extend platelet shelf life. The research I'm doing is focused on decreasing the storage temperature, basically to uh, fridge temperature, so 1 to 6 degree um, Celsius. And the obvious question is why didn't we do that initially, right? Maybe they don't make them like they used to, as your grandma might say, but there's a reason I bought a retro fridge instead of a vintage one. Technology has come a long way since the 1960s. That sounds obvious, right? Of course you're not going to buy an ancient appliance. However, as Dr. Stola explains, scientists sometimes make assumptions based on existing research that doesn't keep pace with medical advances. In the 60s and 70s, they did studies where they labeled these cold platelets with a radio labeling agent, and they found that these platelets don't circulate very long. So they are only circulating for maybe a day, while room temperature storage leads to a three to four days circula uh, circulation time. So, and if you think about in the 60s and 70s, they were uh, thinking about giving platelets only to cancer patients, so patients that don't make their own platelets. And obviously you don't want to transfuse these platelets, every, uh, these patients every day. Uh, one, once a day, basically, you would have to transfuse them. So they said, oh, let's go with room temperature storage. What was also known pretty early, though, is that with cold storage, they appear to work better, at least in the test tubes. What you essentially have with cold store platelets is a short circulating, better acting product, at least in theory. That's what we need to investigate. So at that time, it was thought it would only go to cancer patients where you want long circulation time. But if you look at the transfusion landscape right now, it actually uh, is more like a 50 to 50 distribution. 50% 50 of platelets go to cancer patients that don't make their own platelets and where you want a long circulation time. And 50% of platelets go to bleeding patients. So patients that make their own platelets, but they have an acute problem where their pla own platelets might not uh, suffice to help to plug the hole essentially, right, in the vessels. So in that case, you transfuse platelets to um, stop the bleed, basically. And for these patients, the function actually matters more than the circulation time, right? Because if you have platelets that circulate for three to four days, 
it's not necessary for, for these patients, right? So you need a better working, short-acting product. And in that case, the cold store platelets might actually be the better product. This work isn't always easy. And giving the science behind it, I'd say it probably never is. For example, starting off, Dr. Stola and his team didn't even have a reliable way to measure damage to platelets from refrigeration, known as cold storage lesion. So the Stola lab developed a new technique using flow cytometry to give researchers an unbiased tool to measure cold storage lesion and changes in platelet shape. Pretty cool. And that's what we are currently investigating in preclinical studies. So we have translational studies in healthy humans where we, for example, try to reverse the effect of aspirin. Aspirin is a, a very commonly used drug that sure. inhibits platelet function. And if you give that to a healthy person, their own platelets are inhibited and you can give them their own stored platelets back in order to overcome that defect. And then you can compare the function of the cold stored platelets and the room temperature stored platelets. And then finally, um, the most important question, I guess, is how well do they work in bleeding patients? And we have a currently ongoing cardiac surgery trial at Swedish Medical Center, where we basically flip a coin. Uh, if they are willing to participate, obviously, the patients, then we flip a coin, and then they are either randomized to the um, standard of care, which is room temperature stored platelets, or the cold stored product. And then we have different ways to uh, test for bleeding. For example, we look out how many other blood products do they get, how many red cells do they get, how much plasma do they get, how much uh, medications that help stop bleeding do they get, basically. How many platelets do they get? And then also there are other readouts like chest tube uh, output. They, they get a, a tube in their chest after surgery and then you can see that filling up, basically. Uh, it's all uh, um, not perfect, I guess, the way sure. to measure this, but it's a, it's a way basically to eyeball, uh, I guess, what uh, the bleeding outcome is in the end. If you've wondered why you can't donate platelets if you've taken aspirin in the past 48 hours, aspirin decreases the clotting functionality of platelets. When it was first discovered, I don't think it was the primary intention for aspirin to yeah. inhibit platelet yes, function, yeah. but I think now it's probably the most widely used indication because everybody uh, who has some sort of heart problem at some point uh, gets to take aspirin, right? Dr. Stola joined Bloodworks Research Institute in 2016. He went to medical school and got his PhD in Germany before moving to the U.S. for his postdoc, residency, and fellowship. I started to uh, study platelet function in my uh, medical school actually with an interest in cardiology. We mentioned aspirin, right? So in cardiology, platelets also play a role, right? Because they are the ones that, uh, that clog up your arteries. So the initial interest was inhibiting platelet function with uh, new drugs, and I did that in Philadelphia at the Cardiza Foundation with Wolfgang Bergmeier, who is now in um, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I always like laboratory work, so I think for uh, somebody who likes research and laboratory work, clinical pathology is uh, the nicest uh, medical discipline to, to pursue. And so I decided to go into clinical pathology and then specialized in transfusion medicine. And transfusion medicine was especially interesting because we have platelets, right, that we can give. It's a, a very poorly understood product. We know it works in, in certain situations, and it's life-saving in certain situations, but so many uh, problems with it, right? The room temperature storage, the short shelf life, the outdates, the shortages we have all the time, right? 
So it's a very problematic product and uh, something where definitely there is an unmet medical need uh, and research need to understand the product better and come up with a, an improved product basically. And there's not only cold storage, I should also mention that there are efforts to freeze platelets um, and that uh, is also interesting uh, for the military as well as are cold right. storage platelets. So there um, you can have a product that you put in the freezer and then thaw when uh, you need it and then you even have a more extended shelf life so with cold storage we're thinking now currently maybe that we can extend the shelf life to 14 to 21 days but when you freeze the platelets then you're really talking about months to years yes. po possibly and then another interesting product is lyophilizing so freeze drying platelets where you would basically make a powder out of the platelets that you can then resuspend in saline you can uh, then reconstitute it sort of in, uh, as needed uh, and give it to the patient. There are definitely more studies and data needed to show that these platelets work and uh, do what they're supposed to do in the, in yeah. the patient. We also have a unique capability at Bloodworks, which is to radiolabel platelets. So we have studies where we can specifically tag the stored platelets and trace them in the recipient. Usually healthy volunteers who uh, donate their time to participate in these studies. We have done that with uh, 21 days stored platelets. So we, ha we know that the it's possible. Uh, the big question though of uh, all of this is, do they still work to treat bleeding patients, right? So there's uh, our trial at Swedish, uh, tests 14 day up to 14-day cold store platelets versus up to 7-day room temperature store platelets. There's another trial uh, called the CHIPS trial, which is uh, a multi-institutional trial uh, ongoing in other um, universities uh, across the United States. They also test 7-day room temperature up to 7-day currently. So they test 7 to 7 days. Once that's shown to be beneficial, they want to extend it to 14 days. It would definitely be beneficial for transfusion services to have that capability up to 14 days because then you don't have the issue with the outdates, right? But for the military specifically, I think 21 days is even more interesting because that gives them more flexibility yeah. to ship products uh, to uh, far forward military uh, situations. I would I should also mention that it's probably not either or because I don't think that room temperature store platelets will go away simply yeah. because in cancer patients, I think you would still need that product. I mean, you could, could argue that uh, if cold store platelets prevent bleeding, uh, for example, by protecting the vessel wall in the same way that room temperature store platelets would do, then you could also uh, give these platelets to cancer patients, right? And basically say, we look for bleeding outcomes in a clinical trial in, in room temperature store platelets versus cold platelets in cancer patients. But that's definitely in the future. As a practicing transfusion medicine physician with UW and at Swedish Hospital, in addition to being a researcher at Bloodworks, Dr. Stola sees platelets in the lab and in the clinic, bench and bedside. I should mention that I'm so grateful for everyone who donates platelets because I'm also working as a transfusion medicine specialist, what I clinically trained for, and I always have to uh, triage platelets because we have so few of them, yeah. basically. So. Whenever I, there is uh, an order outside of the accepted guidelines, we get a page and we have to see if it's actually indicated to yeah. make sure that platelets have uh, reached the right recipient. It's really um, so important and I'm so grateful for everyone who, who donates platelets because they're so, uh, such a life-saving product. 
Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. Stola and his life-saving work, go to bloodworksnw.org research. Platelets are needed every day by patients in our community. If you've never donated platelets and want to give it a try, ask for a platelet count at your next blood donation. We'll see you next time on Bloodworks 101.